everybody welcome to this week's episode of the horror crypt podcast episode number 121 and today i'm going to be doing a movie that i actually had never seen i purposely went out of my way to see this movie and i was unfortunately very disappointed it wasn't what i was thinking at all i don't even understand what the hype was about this movie i mean okay it was supposedly be you know real life sort of situation or based on true events but you know there were some interesting parts about this movie but for the most part it was just uh it just really what fell flat for me i don't know what movie am i doing today i'm doing the 2005 movie wolf creek now wolf creek was um apparently it was really uh ambiguously marked as being based on on true events while its plot bores elements reminiscent of the real life murders of the backpackers by Ivan Milat. Now Ivan Milat was a serial killer in the 90s and he, there was also another guy Bradley Murdoch in 2001 and who is these guys? Well let's see if we go back to 1989 so Ivan Milat which who you know most people would know he killed at least seven tourists between 1989 and 1993 in what was infamously called the backpack killings. Now while Bradley John Murdoch the other inspiration for Wolf Creek was found guilty for the murder of an English backpacker named Peter Falconio in the year of 2005. So really, it's it's supposedly being you know, a little bit on the edge of both these serial killers, which, you know, I mean, I, I don't know if you really say Bradley John Murdoch was, you know, a serial killer. I mean, he was just a guy that killed, I guess, one person that we know of, I guess. But Ivan Milat is the, the true and absolute serial killer of Australia. Now, this movie was produced on a $1.1 million budget. And this is really interesting. Now, the budget, as I said, $1.1 million, but the box office took $35 million Australian and $27.7 million US. And I, that's actually a pretty good um, chunk of change back from a $1.1 million movie. Now, it was released on the 24th of January, 2005 at Sundance and the 3rd of November, 2005 in Australia. Now, there's other interesting bits of information with regards to this now, um, the filming of Wolf, Wolf Creek was actually took place in South Australia, which is where I am. So <laughs> that's really cool that I could go out and try and find these places. Not that I'm about to. Um, now, when they did see it was given a theatrical release in Ireland and the United Kingdom in September 2005, followed by a general Australian release in November, apart from the Northern Territory. And apparently they did that because out of respect for the pending trial surrounding the murder of Peter Falconio and it also had a release in the United States and Canada it was released on Christmas Day 2005 so I don't really think that this is a movie that you could qualify for being a Christmas movie and I really don't think it should have been released on Christmas Day this is not a movie that anyone would actually even think about being a Christmas movie it is so far you know away from a Christmas movie now Wolf Creek received mixed reviews from film critics with several such as Roger Ebert 
um, criticizing it for its realistic and unrelenting depiction of violence. Yeah, it is. I must admit, it is a pretty hardcore movie. I would definitely say that one. Other publications, such as Variety and Time Out, praise the film's grindhouse aesthetics, with the latter calling it straightforward depiction of crime and violence taboo-breaking. So there were certainly parts of the movie, and we'll get to it, where it's very taboo, never seen anything like it, but it was pretty much in your face 100% of the time. The film was nominated for seven Australian Film Institute Awards, including Best Director in 2010, and it was also included in Slant Magazine's list of the 100 best films of the decade. I don't, I really, I don't know about that. I really can't say whether it was one of the best movies. I mean, I, as I said, I had heard all about it. I purposely went out of my way to watch this movie for the podcast, but I was just not impressed. I don't know what it was about this movie that just didn't grab me. I mean, you know, there were some parts of the movie that slowed down. There were some parts of the movie that was not explained properly. Um, there was a lot of disjointed sort of situations in the movie. I don't know what it was, but it, it was it held my interest for a small amount of time. But after that, I was really looking at my phone going, is it ever going to end? And I even stopped it a couple of times just to check how much longer we had with the movie because it just seemed to just drag on with no real point. We were trying to get to the point where they are attacked by this guy, but we don't really... It just takes us a long time to get there. But look, anyway, I mean, it was it was interesting. It certainly is not going to go 5 out of 5 for me. I'm not going to give my score right now, but it's definitely not a 5 out of 5 movie. Now, before we get started on this podcast, remember, I'm on Facebook and Instagram at Horrorcrypt Podcast. And if you want to give me a direct message, Horrorcrypt2022, if there's any movies you'd like me to do, or just any feedback for to the podcast, I'd be greatly appreciated um, if you did that, so I can actually have a read. And if you do you know, enjoy this um, podcast, if, you, if it's too much trouble, if you could, it'd be awesome. If you just give me um, likes and reviews on Apple Podcasts, that way it gets me further and further up in the list of people that might want to listen to horror podcasts and search me to begin with. That would be awesome. Now, before we get started on this podcast, we have to listen to the trailer. So sit back and relax, because here is the trailer to Wolf Creek. Captain's log. So far, no sign of intelligent life forms. Wow. That's awesome. Looks like we might be spending the night. What the hell? Just stay in the car! What the bloody hell are you mob doing out here? <laughs> Scared the shit out of me. <laughs> so, um, where did you live? <laughs> oh, I get around, you know. Never know where I might pop up. <laughs> what do you actually do? I can tell you, but then I'd have to kill you.
Now, as I said, this movie is incredibly graphically violent. So if this is a movie that you wouldn't really want to sit down and, and uh, watch, then don't even bother because it is extremely graphic as far as the violence and the depiction of violence goes. So if you don't want to watch this movie, then you just listen to the podcast and see how that goes. But um, as I said, I just, I, I don't know, maybe I'm desensitized through violence. I don't know. I really don't know. I've, I've actually tried to figure out what it is about this movie that didn't grab me, but it just it just didn't. But look, the movie starts off where we're seeing some scrawling writing on the, across the screen, and it says that 30,000 people are reported missing in Australia every year. 90% are found within a month. Some are never seen again. And it's like, okay, that's rather rather disturbing that 90%, uh, luckily 90% are found, but 10% are never seen again. It's like, oh, okay, that's rather rather disturbing sort of situation. So we're seeing that this is in 1999. We're following these two British backpackers by the name of Liz Hunter and, and Kirsty Earle. And they're backpacking across Australia with Ben Mitchell, an Australian friend of theirs. So we see Ben and he goes into town because they need to buy a car to get to their next port of, uh, of travel, which is they're basically traveling from Broome to Cairns via the Great Northern Highway. So we see him go of and he really is buying a piece of shit. So much so that the poor old guy that actually is selling him the car literally has to tune it for him because I really don't think it's, I mean, it's lucky it gets him down the road. It really is, but this is a very, very dilapidated sort of car. But we see that we are now going back to the beach, and Liz and Christy, are, they're just laying on the beach, and they're really enjoying, and you would, you'd be enjoying this part of your travel, and you really don't want to get moving, but there's sort of like some tension in between all three of them, because, you know, we're trying to work out, someone like Christy is saying to Liz that I think that he might like you, and she's like, uh, okay. Fancies you. Doesn't. Oh, you fancy him. I don't think so. <laughs> Look, the three of us are going to be stuck in a car together for three weeks, and we'll be trying enough without. Is it me or is he being weird today? I'm driving balmy. Yeah, you're right. He's cute, though. I think he's really got a girlfriend in Sydney. And why would he lie? He's a bloke. I certainly think, though, that Liz is right. I mean, you know, you, you've, you're traveling with another person and you really don't want to get some sort of emotional attachment to this person because, you know, all of a sudden it's, as, as she said, is it me or is it him? And there's all that sort of situation. So I think, you know, she's trying to keep her distance away from Ben as far as getting in a, a romantic sort of situation. But we see that Ben arrives and, man, this car is dilapidated. But he does say to the girls... You know, oh, um, because they they he picks them up on the street and she's and they're like, um, he says to them, well, so where's the beer? And she, of course, they're like, well, no, we're not drinking anymore because of what happened last night. We got shit faced, and I think it's a good idea that we just stop drinking. And he's like, you're kidding me. Of course, then it transitions over to having this huge party with beer and everything and spirits, and they're having a great time. We find that as things were supposed to happen. Ben was supposed to go off with Liz, but he ended up by going off with Christy. Now, we don't know whether whether Christy and him has actually slept together, although they did did end up in the, in, you know, in the same bed, so we can sort of assume that maybe it happened. We also see that Liz has gone down to the beach, and she wakes up in the middle of four guys, so 
I don't know what's happened there either. It's never told to us. We don't. We really never told what's going on. We see her go for a quick swim of a morning before we're actually heading off. And instead of going, you know, obviously we're going to go to uh, to Cairns. But as tourists do, we decide to stop off a little bit along the way and see things. So the trio makes the stop at the Wolf Creek National Park, and they want to climb up to see this crater. Now, um, there's this enormous crater that's in the centre part of Wolf Creek's conservation park or the national park and uh, so that's their their beeline to where they're going to be going wow that's impressive yeah you're looking at one of the biggest meteorite craters on the planet i reckon the explosion from the impact would have been like 200 nuclear bombs gone off at the same time some guys discovered it scouting for an oil company in 1947 So now as we are going through this whole thing with regards to um, the possible relationship that Liz or Christy and Ben are going to have, we see that they're just sitting there and they're really, you know, taking in the sights of this crater and Liz goes for a bit of a walk and this is where Christy and Ben are laying there just talking to each other and it's like, you know, Christy says, listen, you know, she really, she really does like you and he's like, yeah, I really like her too. So obviously we see that these two end up by getting together. Now, this part of the movie I think is really, really annoying. And I'll tell you why, because we see them go down to the car and they're packing the car ready to get going because it's getting late and they don't want to be stuck here at Wolf Creek National Park all night. But as they go down to the car, they find out there's something wrong with, well, all their devices that tell time. Chris, what's the time? Uh, I don't know, watch just stopped. Oh, it's like Niagara Falls! <laughs> Hey, have you got the time? Oh, no, it's busted. I'd say it's about seven. So about an hour to duck. Make it back to Halls Creek easy. Christy's watch stopped too. Bullshit. Is that really? Yeah. 6.30. (laughs) What, batteries or something? You got the keys? Make sure you warm her up first. It's weird, where are they? I reckon. See you later, Wolf Creek. What's wrong? I don't know. Do we leave the lights on? No. Is it is it in gear? No. Try try again. Now, this really is one part of the movie that really annoys me because I don't understand it. Now, maybe I'm just, you know, unintellectual. Who knows? But, you know, you've got Christie's watch stops, Ben's watch stops, the car won't start. So, I mean, my first thought was, okay, so I know that there's a serial killer 
out there? Was was he the one that got there, did something to their car, and then drove away in the hope? But it, it doesn't make any sense that people's watches are stopping, and the car, you know, the battery is not, or the car's not turning over. So it's really, I don't understand this, and it was never explained. So that's one of the parts of the, of the movie that I really wish that they had have just told us. What happened to these the battery and these watches? But I, I don't know. So they're, they're really now resigning themselves to the fact that, well, they can't get this car started. I mean, and the National Park is a fair way off the main road. So for them to walk back, it's quite a while um, for them to walk back onto the main road, hoping somebody might come through to pick them up. So they really have to decide now, well, what are they going to do? Are they going to be sitting here all night or are they going to try and... I mean, you can't push the car because there's mud and dirt like you know, and all that sort of stuff. It's starting to rain. It's freezing cold. They're now stranded in the middle of really nowhere. Um, so what are they going to do? So their only option now was to basically wait it out and maybe just stay, you know, stay in the car, sleep in the car tonight and hope that tomorrow morning someone might come through and help them. Well, as they're sitting there, um, you know, you start to see a very, very big bright light now. <laughs> Christy's first response to Ben is, is it aliens? Well, we, it's not aliens. We find out, we find out there is a guy that's coming towards them in this, in this vehicle. And we find out that the guy's name is Mick Taylor and he comes across them and uh, offers to give them a bit of a hand. Now, as we all know, you know, serial killers are not just going to get out the car and attack you straight away. So he is a really, it seems like, a really nice, genuine guy at this stage. But of course, as we know, if anyone's seen Wolf Creek or anyone knows the story, it turns very, very dark very, very quickly. But at this stage, we see that Mick drives up and uh, just wants to give them a bit of a hand and see what the hell's going on and, and, and lend a hand for them. What the bloody hell are you mob doing out here? Scared the shit out of me. <laughs> we thought it was aliens. <laughs> well, she did. <laughs> yeah, I was pissing down with rain earlier. I was just about to chuck it in. Lucky for you, mob. I just saw I'd hang around a bit longer, eh? Yeah, we're just getting ready to spend the night, too. Ah, well, we'll get you out of here quick, smart. Gonna do the bloody... <laughs> where are you heading? Uh, Darwin, sort of. Uh, yeah, then on, on to Cairns. That's where we're really headed. A long drive. Yeah, it's too long. British, eh? Yeah, that's right, yeah. Ben's an Aussie, though. Yeah? Where are you from, mate? Sydney. Poof, the capital of Australia. I'm <laughs> <laughs> oh, just playing with your tiger. Never been over there myself. Well, lucky your shields are travelling with a bloke. Can't be too careful. Nothing wrong with a battery. <coughs> <laughs> I told you we'd be all right. I didn't know he's hilarious. It's like one of those you know, guys from the Outback Australia. Yeah. It's like Robert Dundee or something. <laughs> yeah, it's a pistol. Well, you're an Aussie, Ben. How come you don't talk like him? <laughs> you want the bad news? Well, the really bad news. Well, your coil's rooted. Cactus, you're not going nowhere. Well, what can we do? Fuck, I, I had a tally checked over before we left. Well, there must be something we can do. Yeah, well, you take the old one out, you bung the new one in, Rob's your sister. The only good news is I've got the gear to do it. Problem is it's back at my camp, just down the road a ways. Well, I'm going back down there anyway, so I could give you a tow, fix it tonight, probably have you on the road by the morning. Otherwise, someone will be coming through here. Eventually. <laughs> anyway, make up your mind, because I've got to get a rattle on. Yeah, Thank thanks. you. Thank you.
Now, most of us would sit there and go, well, that was really, really nice of him to give us the opportunity to go back to his camp and fix our car for us. So they do decide. They go, okay, that's fine. We'll get a tow all the way back to his, his place, which is actually an abandoned mine several hours south of, of uh, Wolf Creek. And, of course, when we get back there, you know, this place is an absolute shithole, but it's in the middle of nowhere. So, really, escape is really, you know, it's not a, it's not a possibility. But as I said, you know, Mick comes across really, really nice. And... He's, he's, he seems very genuine, a very you know down to earth sort of guy that he's going to be there helping these poor people out. So when he gets when they get back there, you see that they're gonna you know, mix you know got a nice you know campfire going, and he starts regaling them with tall stories of his past uh, while making a show of fixing their car. But it's really interesting how he uh, they just have a bit of a conversation. It's it's very laid back relaxing conversation just i don't know whether it's to lull them into a false sense of security as i said not you know serial killers aren't going to suddenly just go hi i'm a serial killer and attack you straight away but uh this sort of scenario where they're just sitting down having a nice conversation it really is lulling them into a false sense of security because we do see that um mick seems like a really really genuine guy Have plenty of water there if you want it. Oh, thank you. Thank you. One thing that we don't have plenty of. Cheers. Nothing like rainwater from the top end. <laughs> hey, Mick, this place is amazing. <coughs> Can't believe they just walked out and left all this stuff here. Plenty of places like this all over the outback. Thousands of them. Places people have forgotten about. <coughs> Supposed to be a whole town out there somewhere. Got lost in a six-month dust storm back in the 40s. People just walked away. I heard of blokes getting lost in their own farms, you know, just never found their way out. On their own property? Uh-huh. It's amazing. Oh, there's one up here, crosses three states, right? Takes six days to drive across. No. I, I, I used to work out there once. What'd you do there? Head shooter, you know, clearing vermin, roos, horses, pigs, buffalo, you name it. No work there no more. <laughs> yeah, use poisons, you know, instead of shooters. Yeah, used to, used to fly in with the helicopters. You, you fly in low over a herd of water buffalo. Sometimes take out 50 head in an afternoon. Right? I wore out five bolts on a 303 one year. Now, now pigs. Now pigs were different. <coughs> you have to get in close. You know, get the dogs onto them, and then you go in with a knife. You had to get in under them. You know, while the, while the pigs fighting off the dogs. And, and you had to be quick, otherwise you lose your guts on this task. Sharp. <laughs> I seen a big boar pig, right? Take a pit bull's head clean off one time. Yes. Mm, his little legs still pumping away. And... <laughs> oh. Fair dinkum. Fair dinkum. That's what I said. <laughs> Fair dinkum. Wow. So as I said, it really seems that, you know, Mick is a very genuine guy, just wants a bit of, you know, people to talk to and stuff like that. But it's very interesting that you have to watch this scene very carefully because, you know, he's the only one that's not drinking the water. Ben is, Christy is, Liz is, you know, Mick is sitting there having a nice beer. So when when the uh, when the camera you know, really focuses on the water, you just know that, oh, okay, there's something in that water that's going to do something to them. And it is, obviously, it's true because they all fall unconscious. And we do see in the next scene that Liz awakens gagged and tied in a shed. She breaks free, luckily, and she manages to hear Mick torturing Christy 
in a garage. And of course, it's at this stage that it's implied that Mick had sexually assaulted her, but he is really, really becoming extremely aggressive towards Christy. And um, it's a very, very distressing, very, very hard uh, scene to watch and to listen to. Please don't kill me, watching this whole thing un unfold luckily we don't see this actual sexual assault at this stage we see that Mick has now released her as far as you know um, cutting off her binds around her, her wrist this is Christy I should talk I should say and um, you know he is gonna you know he's already shot the gun towards her he didn't actually shoot her in in anywhere he just basically you know grazed the the bullet past her head really to terrify her and now he's coming in now we don't know what he's doing he, he was like on the side of her neck, I don't know whether he was biting her or whether he was... I don't know what it was because it really you the, you really can't see what he's up to at this stage. But at one stage, we see that Liz decides that while this whole thing is happening, she's going to distract Mick. So she goes to the now dismantled car and decides to set it on fire to try and distract him. And as he goes out to, to um, extinguish the flames, she goes in to help Christy. Of course, when Mick returns, you know, and, and he's got this huge Bowie knife ready to, to uh, I guess, ready to start slicing her up, it's this stage that you hear the gun cock behind him, and he turns around, and there's Liz pointing the gun directly at him, saying, you know, let her go right now. And he's like, well, <laughs> you know, you can point the gun all you want, but there's no, no, there's no bullets in the, in the chamber. I only did one, and you've, I've already shot that one, so... You know, point the gun all you want, but I'm not gonna, you know, not going to uh, be up, you know, be worried about what you're about to do. So, of course, at this stage, that she does say to him, you know, let her go. So he does drop her, you know, down on the ground to try and release her. And of course, it's at this stage that we see that Liz goes and does fire the bullet. Uh, sorry, fire, does fire the gun. There was a bullet actually in there, and it does hit him in the neck. And we see we see him drop to the ground. So my first thought was like, oh. Okay, is that the end of the movie? He's, he's being killed and this is now he, they've got to get out of there. So the women attempt to flee in Mick's truck, but unfortunately, as they get in the car, they find that there's no keys in the, in the, in the truck. So, of course, this is when Liz has to go back into the shed 
and Mick is laying on the ground, you know, facing the dirt. So she manages get, to get the keys, jumps back into the truck, turns the truck on. We hear an explosion, like a, a gunshot. And there's Mick standing. He's holding one side of his neck where the bullet has penetrated, but he's got a double barrel shotgun. And he's actually fired one round into the windshield of the, of the truck. So it's these as the stage that the girls decide that they're going to start um, driving in towards the shed to actually get him out of the way. They manage to, you know, turn the truck around. And they um, take off into the outback. Of course, this is when Mick decides that he's going to start, you know, chasing the girls. But the the girls decided to do a very very smart thing. They tr- they decide to evade him by pushing the tr- his truck off a cliff before before returning to the site to get another car. So it's like let's confuse him and let him think that we've actually crashed down this ravine and into the into the gully. And just think to him, tell ourselves that maybe he'll let us go. Now, we don't even know where Ben is at this stage. We know that Ben's been taken as well. But right now, we're focusing so much on Christy and Liz. But we do see that Christy and Liz have managed to make it up, make their way up to the side of the embankment. And this is where Mick happens to drive his other truck down to where you know this uh, this car has been rolled over. And we see that he's patrolling backwards and forwards along the just the rim of uh, where this embankment is. And we can see that he's looking down the bottom and seeing the truck now. It's at this stage I'm thinking to myself, okay, just believe that they're down there, leave them alone, and just let them escape. But unfortunately, that's not the way That's not the way it actually happens. So we do see that Liz decides that she needs to go back to the site to get another car. And of course, she needs to leave Christy, who's now absolutely hysterical, outside and of course you would be you've been you've been you've gone through something so traumatic and so terrifying you could be you know absolutely traumatized but she tells her if she's not back within five minutes to just basically go like run go keep going the sun will be up soon just keep running towards a main road you're gonna you come to a main road just go in that direction you'll get there just keep going so and it's like and you know i, I was saying to myself when i watched this movie liz just 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 go with her don't go back and get a car. Just head towards the main road because you would have a massive head start on Mick. Mick is going to go back. He'll probably do God knows what he what he's going to do to Ben. But at least that way, you and Christy can actually get away from this situation. But no, Liz has to be the almost the final girl. She enters the garage and discovers that Mick's got a large stockpile of cars and travelers' possessions. So we now, now see that he's been doing this for a long period of time including that she also finds a very large stock of video cameras. Do you remember video cameras when they were around? You know, you have the, the little cassette you put in there, you, you record something and you either watch it immediately on, on your TV or you'd keep it on, you know, as posterity. So, you know, they've got video cameras all over the place, apparently, in this shed. And she watches the playback on one of them and she's horrified to see Mick, so-called helping other travellers stranded at Wolf Creek. She then picks up Ben's camera because she knows because Ben has had a camera and he's been videotaping things as they go along their travel, and she notices that Mick's truck is in the footage. Obviously, we all realise now that he'd been following them long before they got to Wolf Creek, so he was really he he knew what was going to happen. He was just making sure that he was there at the right space at the, at the right place at the right time. So she gets into a car and because she's you know there's. I'd say there's about at least half a dozen cars in this shed, but she manages to get into a car and starts the car up, and she's like, okay, okay, I'm here, I've got a car, I can go to, to you know, go and get Christy, but unfortunately, Mick appears in the back seat and stabs her with a Bowie knife. Oh. <laughs> 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 
didn't escape. You, you with me? You with me? You see what I mean? Right? Now that, that's my fucking wreck of me fucking truck, you bitch! Now, this little procedure is called making a head on a stick. Because once your spine's severed, right? I think there is nothing more terrifying in this world than having that situation happen. And Liz is now completely and utterly paralyzed. So whatever he does to her physically, she's got no way at all that she's going to be able to fight back. And as he said, you're now ahead on a stick. So she can see everything. She can hear everything. She can't feel anything, obviously, from her neck down. But she can see everything that's going on with her. And now he has to. he's going to now interrogate her as to find where the hell Christy is. Now we see now that Christy, by dawn, has reached the highway and she's discovered by a passing motorist. Because, you know, obviously, you know, five minutes has gone by, Liz never came back, so she's hightailing it across the outback to try and get to a main road, which she actually does. So the motorist attempts to help her, but as we're, as, you know, she gets to the main road and this guy pulls over, we hear a gunshot. And this guy had put a thermos of coffee on the on the roof of his car. So suddenly, you know, he looks at his thermos and there's a nice hole, nice bullet hole through there, and the coffee is now spilling out. And we hear another gunshot, and this is the situation that he is actually shot dead by Mick with the hunting rifle. Of course, Mick then gives chase, prompting Christy to take off with the dead man's car. And Christy heads off, and she and this poor little car, I mean, this car is not going to be outrunning a V8. I mean, Mick's in a huge, souped-up V8. This is like a little four-cylinder car, so, you know, this car matched against Mick's is, it's just not going to happen. So Christy sideswipes Mick's car into a ditch when he pulls up alongside of her to begin, you know, as he's trying to get her to pull over, trying to knock her out the way. But, uh, of course, we see that this doesn't happen because Mick emerges and shoots out her back tyre, causing her to turn... Um, the car rolls the car over into a ditch. Of course, she attempts to get out of the car and start crawling away. But unfortunately, Mick comes up uh, alongside of her, walks over to where she is because she's coming out of the passenger side, and she's starting to run away, and he shoots her in the back, and she's he's, she's now shot dead. 
Mick bundles her body and the dead motorist in the back of his car and tortures the poor guy's car. So I was like, okay, so that's that's happened. So now we then go back into the shed and we see that Ben awakens and he's nailed to a mock crucifix with a, in the mine shaft. He's got his um not his hands, but he's like he's got his wrists actually, you know, um attached to the boards, which is very, very hardcore because he's actually got to pull them out um, of these boards, which is, oh, it's, it's very hard to watch. He's also, um, when he's there, he's also surrounded by these very, very um, aggressive uh, dogs that are ready to basically rip him apart, which is a, a very terrifying thing in, in its essence. But, you know, there he is trying to get out of the situation. He manages to get out, and he does see that he is now, you know, surrounded by... You know, like a cliff on either side. We also see that his car that he had thought was being repaired has got bits and pieces all over the place and it obviously had been set alight by Liz. So, you know, there's no way in hell that he's going to get out of here. So he manages to escape into the outback, but we, but he becomes dehydrated and passes out beside a dirt road. He is discovered by a Swedish couple who takes him to a nearby town and he's airlifted to hospital. Then we see the title cards at the end of the movie and the, and the series of title cards state that Despite several police searches, no trace of Liz or Christy has ever been found. It also says that early investigations into the case were disorganized, hampered by confusion over the location of the crime, the lack of physical evidence, and the alleged unreliability of the only witness. It also says at the very, very last title card that after four months in police custody, Ben was cleared of suspicion and he now lives in some in somewhere in South Australia. The film ends with Mick walking into the sunset with his rifle. The movie goes black, and that is the end of Wolf Creek. Um, everything that I've discussed and everything that I've talked to you about in this movie is basically what happens. Um, it, it slows down a bit. You know, the, the, the graphic violence, the attacks on... I mean, as, as we heard, you know, when poor old Liz is first, you know, stabbed in the back in the car, she gets out, and of course Mick's got the, you know, that's not a knife, this is a knife. She puts her hands up to stop him, and he slices off three of her fingers. So, and then, as he says, you know, well, that's not going to kill you, and I've got a bullet in my neck, and I'm not complaining. So, we do see now, as I said, this is loosely based on Ivan Millett and John Murdoch. Now, Bradley John Murdoch, he did... Obviously, he killed Peter Falconio that we know of. Um, his body has never, ever been found at all, ever. And he's never given up the location of the, of the body. So that poor family has never been able to make amends and really lay him to rest. The other ones, which is um, Ivan Milat, uh, you know, I would hope to God that this is... I mean, this they're saying this is sort of like a very loosely based you know, situation of what happened with Ivan Milat, but I would say it would be absolutely terrifying if you were going through this sort of thing. So, but look, on a scale of zero to five buckets of blood, zero being how do, how do I get the last, how long was it? 99 minutes of my life. It seems so much longer than 99 minutes. Believe me, everyone. To five, it was a perfect movie and I'd watch it all over again. I am not giving it a five. I will give it a three out of five. Three because it just seems to just drag on and there were parts of the movie that just didn't need to happen. Okay, we're, we're you know, we are actually getting the, the, relationship between Christy and Liz and Ben but really that doesn't really go anywhere because even though Ben and Liz make out it's it you, you don't see any chemistry between them I mean you do you'd even think that Christy and Ben would have been more suited than Liz and Ben you know I mean you know you you, you fall for whoever you fall but there was just no chemistry in in the 
in those two. And there was no, it just wasn't believable. And as I said, I just want to know why it was that when they got to that part of, the, of Australia, why did the car battery go, or not the battery, the battery didn't go dead, but the car couldn't start and their watches stopped. I just want to know what the hell was all that about. Maybe in fun facts, that'll actually tell us. Well, in saying that, we might as well do right now, Paul's Fun Facts. So as usual, there is a huge amount of trivia for this movie, and I'm not going to go through all of them, but you know the ones that I've read are very, very interesting. So unbeknown to the crew, the abandoned mine where they chose to film had actually been the site of a real-life murder of a woman. Holy crap! The filming prompted a protest from locals who erroneously thought the film was about those events. I, I mean, of all the places you could possibly choose to film, what are the possibilities you're actually doing it right then and there? And in that spot where something like that really happened, that is absolutely amazing. A very eerie coincidence occurred for the second unit crew sent out to get footage of the Wolf Creek Crater. Since the location was many hours from any small town, the crew decided to camp out in their cars at the site after shooting. Okay, makes sense. During the night, a mysterious stranger showed up in a truck to investigate. The stranger indeed looked very much like the character of Mick Taylor, right down to the rustic truck. The stranger left, but the crew were so spooked that they drove an hour down the road before finally stopping to camp for the night. Yeah, that is, um, that is very, very creepy. Now, at one point during the shooting of the scene where Mick is torturing Christy, whilst Liz looks through the window, director Greg McLean wanted to get the shot of Cassandra's point of view. Now, Cassandra is actually Liz's character. So he cleared the crew out of the shed in which the scene was being shot, leaving only the two actors inside. When he called action, they began to play the scene. However, after a minute, McLean became convinced that Jared, which is Mix, uh, the his, his name is... Um, John Jared, but uh, he plays the role of Mick. He was had been had basically gone too far, and that the girl Christy, Kesty uh, Marasi, her screams were so genuine. He burst into the shed only to find both actors stunned at the disruption. Apparently, she was fine. Um, it has simply been an intensive, the intensity of her performance which had fooled McLean. So you can really see that the way that he did it was was very, very convincing. And apparently John Jarrett, which is obviously Mick Taylor, remained in character between takes, which is, that's actually a pretty good thing as well. Although widely believed that John Jarrett did not bathe during the filming of Wolf Creek, Jarrett himself debunked this rumor in May 2016, stating that the truth was he stopped washing only his arms. The reason behind this was because the tattoos that were applied in makeup each morning took many hours to complete. It was easier to not wash them off and then continuously reapply them. So I think that is that's that's <laughs> that's commitment. But you also think, man, his arms must stink. Now there is a very very creepy little um, information on this one. So at around 43 minutes of the film, the sign of the entrance of the old mining company site where the killer takes his victims, is actually the name of the backpacker murderer, Ivan Milat, spelled backwards. Oh my god. Yep. Okay, so you can really see that there is uh, a, lot of, a lot of truth, obviously, surrounding this movie with regards to Ivan Milat. 
Just a couple more to finish off. So according to stars Cassandra McGrath and Kesti Marassi, the scenes shot on the beach early in the film may look warm on screen, but they were actually freezing. It was so cold that for the scene where McGrath runs out into the ocean, all of the crew behind the camera were in hats and gloves. According to McGrath, when she got out of the water, she was so cold, she literally couldn't remember her own name. <laughs> oh man, I tell you what, some actors, man, they are, they are really hardcore. And just the final one, so John Jarrett is a method actor, and he spent weeks living in the Australian desert preparing for the role of Mick Taylor. In addition, he also provide, he also avoided bathing before shooting so it would give him much more of a rugged appearance. Furthermore, the idea for Mick to have a creepy laugh was Jared's own. It said he took him four months to get it right. He also created a detailed biography for the character, although he wouldn't reveal the details to anyone. So what's the point of even mentioning this on the fun facts? I do not know, but it was there in the trivia. Anyway, thank you very much once again for coming to visit me, the Horror Crypt Podcast. Um, as I said, this movie, it was was disappointing as far as I was concerned. You might want to sit there and watch it and think to yourself that it was actually a, you know, a great movie and deserves more than a three. But, you know, if it is, if you do want to watch it right now, it is currently on Netflix and, uh, you know, it's, it's yeah, I I thought, I thought it was good, not great, unfortunately. But I am going to be doing Wolf Creek Part 2. I was going to abstain with doing that one. But I figure, you know what, what the hell, I might as well do Wolf Creek Part 2 and get it over with. And that way, I can say that I've actually, <laughs> I've done both of them. So, but next week, next week, we are traveling all the way back to 1979. What movie am I going to be doing? Well, I can't tell you. You've got to come back and visit me, the Horror Crypt Podcast, next week to find out. So until next week, I will say like I say every single week, and I'll say it one more time. I'll creep you later. Why do you got your hood on like that? Well, when I came home from school, my head started to get really hot. So I drank some cold water. But I didn't do nothing. So I laid in the bathtub for a while. But then I realized that it was my hair that was making my head so hot. So I went into my kitchen and I shaved it all off. I don't want anyone to see. <laughs>